Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to another edition of the High Motion Podcast here on Blog Talk Radio. And always, like we say before every and any show that we've done or that we will do, you can check it out always on on multiple platforms. First and foremost, you can check it out on blogtalkradio.com backslash Total Sports Live. Or you can check it out on your smartphone. All you have to do for starters is if you have an iPhone, I'm pretty sure a lot of people do buy it by this time, but hey, there might be still the folks out there with the Blackberry, but if you got an iPhone, all you got to do is go to your podcast app from there, search Total Sports Live, the TSL podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Really appreciate it. Um, from there, once you subscribe, you can download all our epi- all our previous episodes from this arena football season or from our months prior back in 2016 when we were doing this un- not under the name of the uh, High Motion Podcast, but you can check those out. Also, if you want, you can leave us a review and a rating. We appreciate that um, <coughs> Excuse me, as well. Um, you, we're also on Spotify as well, so if you go to Spotify, just search, just search Total Sports Live, hit the follow button on there too, as we're trying to increase and go to different platforms. And this, as always, this is your one half of the dynamic duo, the co-host, uh, your co-host, Jovan Alford here on the High Motion Podcast. Um, before we jump into and I bring on Harrison Brown, my other uh, my other co-host, the AFL insider himself, make sure if you did not have a chance to listen to our interview with Donovan Morgan of the Columbus Destroyers, uh, it, was, it, was, it was a fantastic interview. Make sure you do that. It was fantastic. A must listen. Um, I know just speaking um, – Speaking on behalf of Harrison, I know he'll have some more to chime in. You know, we really appreciate everybody, you know, that just took the time out to listen, you know, took out took out the time to listen, support, you know, retweet, share, like, you know, just what I really appreciate everybody that tuned in and uh, checked out the interview. And we're hopefully going to be able to, you know, do that more often for you, for you all that tune in, you know, not just break down the games, but also bring on the players that play in these games and that you know and get and, and get their thoughts not only on the game itself but just to know a little bit more um about them but since I already spoke about them, I might as well bring them on always joining me here on the pod is none other than my co-host the one and only Harrison Brown from arenafan.com Harrison how are you doing on this very uh how can I say this very hot summerish week here in the tri-state area yeah, what's good, my dude? Yeah, it definitely is hot. You know, we're into that back end of June area. Glad I'm not still playing football. But, yeah, man, looking forward to another good week of arena football this weekend. And uh, like you said, definitely uh, listen to the Donovan Morgan interview. It was a lot of fun to do. Appreciate him coming on, for sure. Yeah, definitely. We really do appreciate Demo coming on, dropping some gems for us, not just football gems, but some life gems, you know, the major keys just all up in that podcast, so definitely uh, check it out. But 
since we are talking about Demo, we got to talk about his current team, the Destroyers. Let's start it off here, as always. The people have been listening to us for the last few weeks. We always start off talking about your town, your team, your Philadelphia so well. My town, my team, the Soul Harrison's like got two teams now since he's in since he lives in yeah. Jersey, so he got two teams. <laughs> so we're going to start off with the Soul. In the Soul are now on a two-game winning streak. They snuck out. Of, I don't want to say snuck out, but they got a hard-fought victory over to the Columbus over the Columbus Destroyers, forty-two to uh, thirty-five. They are now on the verge of clinching a playoff berth uh, this weekend against Albany. But it was just a fantastic game uh, going. It was just a fantastic game for everybody for 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 a lot of players. Excuse the uh, background noise. Excuse the fire engine, fire trucks and stuff going by. But uh, it was, like I said, a fantastic game from everybody all around. Dan Rodderball, 14-23 for 227 yards, four TDs, two INTs. B.J. Bunn with a breakout game himself, but I feel like we said that before this season, with six receptions for 116 yards in the TD. Uh, Darius Prince, Lonnie Outlaw, and Jordan Williams also had a touchdown. And for Columbus, or as we call him here, Seabus, Grant Russell with 237 passing yards, five TDs, but three interceptions. Fabian Guerra with a style, another good style of performance for nine receptions, 75 yards, three TDs. Paul Browning put two TDs himself. And defensively, this was the battle of the two, uh, of the, of the two, of the two. I don't want to say OGs, but the, uh, but, but you really saw a couple of the game's best defensive backs and defensive players in this league shine and showcase. And Varmasoni, who had two interceptions, a forced fumble, and a pass breakup. And James Romain, who had ten and a half tackles, two interceptions, and two pass breakups. I know that was a lot of stats. So, Harrison, what were just your thoughts on this game? Stole escape with a huge victory. Got an interception to end the pretty much put the game away, but before that got a huge touchdown from Jordan Williams on a pretty much on a three yard pass that turned into forty two yard scoop and score. Yeah, I think the the Solar just continuing to kind of get back to their ways. Um it didn't really start out great for them this year with the three and four start and there was just kind of a lot of turnover on the roster and you know, even today there was still some more turnover. They're still picking up pieces and dealing with injuries and stuff like that. But I feel like they're just continuing to, you know, kind of get back to what they were in years past and just taking what the defense gives them. And B.J. Bunn, like you said, had a really good night, which is is positive to see. But, I mean, that's kind of happened a lot throughout the years where just different guys have their big game for the soul. You know, in years past it would be McDaniel and Tiger and, you know, Thurman and Demo when he played for the soul. But, I mean, they've had a lot of receivers, but every year it just feels like each game it could be a different guy who goes out and has a really strong game. And it's kind of been that way this year between BJ having a big game or maybe Darius has it and Lonnie Outlaws had a few really big games. So they've done a nice job of that. But, yeah, I mean, Columbus is a pretty solid team overall. Uh, this year they haven't really gotten a lot of wins, but they've put up a lot of hard-fought games. They have a pretty solid roster. It's just such a talented league. I mean, they've they've dealt with a lot of adversity because of the rookies they have. So it, it was another hard-fought game. They were in it for most of the game. Uh, kind of came right down to it. Four minutes left was that last touchdown, and then the soul held it down. And like you said, Romaine and Varma, two of the best middles this game has seen in a long time. Both had two interceptions. They both played really well. Um, but, yeah, it just it feels like the soul are kind of just continuing to get hot at the right time. It seems like they're building and building for a playoff run, but they still have to put it all together. They still have to put 
one of those complete games like they played against Atlantic City a few weeks ago. They need a few more of those, mm-hmm. uh, and they're going to need them pretty quick because, you know, the playoffs are coming up only a few more weeks before it's, it's go time. So, no, nah, I thought it was a positive game for the soul. And and I'm and I'm glad you brought that up, saying that, you know, while, you know, this victory against Columbus was great, you know, and they were able to get it done, we're, we need to see the soul put together a complete game in all three phases against, you would probably say, the upper echelon teams, against the Albany's, against the D.C.'s, to a lesser extent, both teams who they had, who they have had problems um, against this season. And I think that was the next question I was going to ask you, are, you know, saying, you know, are the Philadelphia soul back? Because, you know, you've been preaching on this, you know, on the pod saying, you know, that you can't, you can't, you can never count out the Philadelphia soul, that they're eventually going to start, you know, figuring things out and that they're, you know, and that, and that they're, you know, even though they have a lot of new young faces, the veteran core is still there and they're starting to figure it out. Do you think that the soul are back to normal? Because we see Rada ball, you know, spreading the ball around, getting a lot of people involved. We see Romaine stepping up, you know, just having a tremendous year. Dwayne Hollis, he also had an interception. We saw the Soul's defensive line, even though they did not get a sack in this game. They did have um, – no, they did have a sack. They had a sack, but they also have four quarterback hits. So the defensive line now is starting to get pressure. Do you think, Harrison, that this team, if they can put it all together and get on the run, that they can make a – that they can get to the arena bowl. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've said for a while now that Philly's pretty much my second team. I think they're the second best roster in the league, and I, I still pretty much stand there. Um, I like what Washington has, but we've talked about it. They can be kind of inconsistent, and their defense isn't necessarily the best in the league. But, yeah, I like what Philly has. Um, I, I, I think it will be more obvious to see after this week. Uh, they have Albany this weekend on Saturday. That, that's a big test for them. It's going to be a big opportunity for them to go out and prove that they're one of the best teams in this league. And then they have Atlantic City and then Albany again, if I'm not mistaken, or some variation of that. So they have a tough schedule to to finish this year out. So, I mean, we'll kind of see with them. If they can go out and beat some of these bigger-name teams like Albany, uh, it it would definitely be a positive for them heading into the playoffs momentum-wise. But, I mean, I do. I like the roster they have. The core pieces are still intact. The secondary is is really strong, um, and it, it's the, pretty much the same group as always in that in that back three. And then uh, Rodeball and Dozel have been working together for you know close to a decade now, so that chemistry and cohesiveness they have uh, it, it definitely leads me to believe they're the second best team in the league. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And like you said, they have a huge matchup and a huge game coming up uh, this weekend down at the Wells Fargo Center against the Albany Empire. Those, the, the last time those two teams met, I think the score was, what, 47? I mean, 57 to, like, 49 or, like, 57 to 48, if I'm not mistaken. I think with a round of that score, it was, the, it was the Lonnie Outlaw game. That was the game where Lonnie Outlaw kind of broke out and had, like, then he had, like, over 150 receiving yards and, like, three touchdowns, something, some type of ridiculous number. Yeah, he had a definitely a huge game. And the Soul are going to need that if they want to upset the Empire. And, you know, let's talk about the Empire, you know, since we're talking about the Empire. I mean, boy, oh, boy. Somehow, some way, <laughs> for the second consecutive week in a row, they escape with another close victory. This time, 
They beat the Atlantic City Blackjacks 63-61. to This was an amazing game. It brought back the feelings of watching an old-school arena football game. Both teams, you know, was like a heavyweight boxing match. Everybody's, everybody's taking shot for shot, punch for punch. And it even came, like I said, it came down to the end because all, uh, AC still had a chance. You know, Warren Smith had uh, had a had a had one of his best games of his career, twenty four thirty four for the three twenty nine, seven TDs and one interception. Which you really, when you look at it, really wasn't a wasn't a bad pass. It was just a miss. It was just a lucky bounce. <laughs> And then it went into Albany's hands, you know, when Antoine Grant had a tremendous game, 11 receptions for 177 yards and four TDs. Rashad still complimented Grant well with six receptions for 77 yards and two TDs. It was a very good performance from Atlantic City. However, their defense could not stop Albany's offense, which was a problem. Tommy Grady got got back on doing his thing with 229 yards, seven TDs, no turnovers, which is key because he had a couple turnovers over the last few weeks. Malachi Jones still doing what Malachi does best, nine receptions for 114 yards and two TDs. But Quentin Sims, another great performance for Q, for Q Sims, seven receptions for 91 yards and five TDs. Harrison, what were your thoughts from this game, um, just from both sides, from the AC side and from the Albany side of things? Yeah, man, like you said, this was just honestly a really fun arena football game. Uh, both quarterbacks were really in rhythm the entire night. Um, you touched on it, but, yeah, Warren went out there. and I mean, it was honestly definitely his best career game in the AFL. Um, he's been a veteran quarterback. He knows what he's doing. But, I mean, going up against an Albany team like that, it was definitely in Albany as well, in Albany with those fans. Uh, it definitely the expectations were stacked against him. But, I mean, they were in it the entire night. Atlantic City, they went – Touchdown for touchdown, they kind of, it felt like they knew that they were going to have to score a lot, that they were going to have to match the Albany offense because when you have an offense with Malachi Jones, Tommy Grady, and Quentin Sims, you're going to score the ball, especially when you have an offensive line like they have. So it definitely felt like Atlantic City knew that they had to go touchdown for touchdown with them, but they definitely did a good job of it. I mean, they put up touchdowns on most of their drives. You mentioned the interception. It was just kind of a screen pass going wrong. Those are unfortunate for everyone involved on the offense. Those always just sting a little bit extra because you expect a screen pass to just be a guaranteed completion. It's one of the easiest plays in your playbook, and then it gets intercepted. That's really frustrating, but, I mean, those things happen. It's football. So, But they, they, they played well. They played well offensively. They they drove on Albany's defense all night long, and it definitely showed that Warren is a capable quarterback in this league. Um, it's their, their backup quarterback that they signed for last week, uh, Michael Keir, was released today. So, I don't know what that means for Hippard's status. He was never placed on IR. So, I mean, he could be back this week. He might not be. I'm not really sure. But, I mean, either way, they have a, a good situation at quarterback right now. Both of those guys can go out there and play. So, it's definitely a positive for the Blackjacks. Definitely, like you said, a positive for the Blackjacks if they can get Randy Hippard out. And I think more so for their offense, I think it was a positive as well. Because for the last few weeks, we've seen it be more so the Lamarck Brown show. And don't get me wrong, Lamarck Brown has played well, and Kendrick Ings even had a moment. But I think you would agree with me with this, Harrison, that it was not it it is it was nice to see, you know, Antoine Grant and Rashad still kind of establish themselves as saying, hold up, AC's just not, you know, Kendrick Ings and Lamarck Brown. It's Kendrick Ings, Lamarck Brown, Antoine Antoine Grant, and Rashad still. 
Yeah, Antoine Grant has played really well all year when he's had the opportunity to. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what happened. He might have been dealing with some type of injury or something, um, but he was out for kind of a few weeks. It seemed like he was getting less reps. But it was, it was a positive to see him go out there and do his thing. Um, like you talked about, Lamarck Brown has played really well this year. Um, he's up over the 20-touchdown mark uh, all-purpose because he's got a bunch rushing too. He, he's played really well. And to have Antoine Grant, Kendrick Ings, who actually unfortunately went on IR today on the, on the wire, Kendrick Ings. Um, but Antoine Grant has been well this year. He played really well against Albany. It looked like him and Warren were in pretty good sync. And then Rashad Still is a big guy. He's six foot five from uh, the University of Minnesota. So when you have a big guy like that, definitely helps in red zone and just for kind of possession and, you know, getting the feel for drives intermediately. So, um, no, it, it's good. It's like we talk about with Washington all the time, their versatility at the receiving court never hurts to have a good group at every position. You want every position on your roster to be filled out with players that you think are capable if they have to go in the game because you only have 21 guys on the roster. So everyone on your roster has to be ready to play, able to play. So it's definitely good when you have a versatile group. For sure, for sure. And, you know, speaking of versatile groups and wide receivers, we know I mentioned Quentin Sims. This guy is put, is putting together a ridiculous pace that's almost like what Malachi Jones did last season uh, for the Valor. Uh, Quentin Sims, like I said, five TDs this, this uh, last weekend. He now has 50 receptions for 741 yards, which is second in the AFL, only behind his teammate in Jones. But he leaves the league and receiving touchdowns with 23. Harrison, I know we weren't talking about him in the beginning of the season. When we were doing our midseason awards, Offensive Player of the Year, we were looking at possibly being either Malachi Jones and I said Arvell Nelson because we all believe that Tommy Grady will be the MVP. However, is it time to put Sims in the discussion for Offensive Player of the Year? Because right now, he's just on a, a, a tour at pace and He's just, to be honest with you, he's 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 making life harder for opposing defenses that want to say, okay, we're just worrying about Malachi Jones. I mean, definitely, he's played really well this year, and you know, he's got a history in this league. He's he played really well for Cleveland back in the day, and I believe played for Baltimore last year and did well. So uh, he's a really good player, and the guys over at Arena Fan on the the podcast they did a really nice interview with him that, that went really into depth about, you know, his time at the Patriots and some other opportunities he, he's had. So that's definitely a must listen as well. Um, but nah, I mean, I would agree with you that I think he's in the offensive player of the year. You know, that, that list of guys is definitely involved in it. Um, definitely a potential all arena guy as well. I could see that for him. Um, but he's played really well this year, leads the league in touchdowns, like you mentioned. And I mean, Tommy Grady is definitely willing to take shots downfield. So that helps any receiver he plays with. Um, but I, I like the offense they have. I like the, the mentality they have to be aggressive and, and take their shots. And they're never out of a game. And we saw it a few weeks ago when they played the Valor and came back. I mean, when you can when you can win vertically and, and score quickly, you're never out of a game in the Arena Football League. So they definitely have a good thing going with that tandem of Malachi Jones and Quentin Sims. They did a pretty cool interview on the uh, on the broadcast, too, actually, with, with both of them and J.J. Ratterang. Um, it, it definitely turning in to a dynamic duo. They have a, a, a good chemistry, and then Colin Taylor as well. And earlier in the season, DJ Stevens was playing really well out there. Um, so yeah, Albany got a really good thing going. 
They sure do, and they and and for all intents and purposes, it look like they will be the number one seed um, heading as we get closer to the playoffs. But you never know what <laughs> what can happen because as we found out this this past weekend, there is a log jam once again between two through four, which leads me to talk about Baltimore versus DC, the battle for the DM, the battle for the DMV, the battle of the DMV. Let me say that the battle of the DMV. And the Baylor escaped with a 42-35 to victory over the Brigade. Um, Right now, the season series is split right now, 1-1. Arvell Nelson, what a a okay game passing the ball. You know, 143 passing yards, 17-29 with one passing touchdown interception. But he had four rushing touchdowns, which is key, especially when you have a dual-threat quarterback, um, would you have a dual-threat quarterback like him? Josh Reese was the leading wide receiver uh, for D.C., 5 receptions, 56 yards. Reggie, Reggie Gray had the long touchdown. Gray scored the scored the first touchdown, actually, in the beginning of the game. Uh, Shane Boyd had a, had a solid game as well, 184 passing yards and four TDs. Josh Josh. Not Josh, Joe Hills, excuse me. I'm thinking Josh Reese and Joe Hills. I got Jays back-to-back. <laughs> Joe Hills, four receptions for 44 yards and two TDs. Harrison, both teams are now 5-4 and four with one more contest left against each other. Um, who do you believe right now as we go into this weekend is the better team? Mm. I, 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 I'd probably go Washington. Uh, but they, I could go either way on it. I, I like Baltimore as well, and I think any team with Joe Hills and the defense like they have with Joe Powell, Josh Victorian, and just that overall group, a good defensive line. Shane Boyd has played really well this year, um, so I like Baltimore, but it's I like Washington's offense a lot. I think that offense is dynamic enough to keep them in games in the playoffs. Um, Arvell, like you said, when you have a guy with that dual threat ability, um, 17 for 29. He was he was rather efficient, only 143 yards and a touchdown. But when you can score four rushing touchdowns, I mean you're in a pretty good position. It's it's definitely a big factor for them. And I mean the receiving core, the versatility they have, the defense kind of holds me up. I mean I like Mario Norman, I like Alvin Ray Jackson. Um, they have some other good guys mixed in as well. Uh, Zach Bullock is a is a pretty talented defensive end. I think he's got a lot of potential in this league. But I, I don't know if it's going to hold up against a really tough, you know, like Albany group. And I, I think it kind of happened a few weeks back when they Albany came back on them. It's just that would, that would worry me in a potential matchup. I think Philly can score a lot on them as well, um, even though Washington's 2-0 against Philly right now. I think Philly in a playoff scenario, I think they would put up a lot of points as well. But, I mean, that offense, I just really like that offense and – um, in that game, it just kind of came through for them. Arvell was able to put it, put it in through the ground four times. Um, that that's mm-hmm. huge for them. Baltimore played a, I mean, they played a pretty good game as well. It, it was a back and forth match, but yeah, the Bowers just came out on top in that one. Yeah, they did, and like you said, you know, it, it it's tough to say because you like it's tough to say who's the better team because you like both elements of both teams. Like if you look at quarterback. You might want to say QB. You would go with um, with QB. You probably say you would go with 
Arvell. But you can go Shane Boyd because Shane Boyd has played really well this season. Wide receiver, you know, it's a toss up because both wide receiving cores have been have have both wide receiver units have been have been solid this year. Um, secondary, you would probably say it would go to Baltimore, but defensive line, you can make the case and say that the defensive line goes to Washington. So it's very hard, you know, to say which is the better team because you're like you say you're almost splitting hairs down to say I like this one, but then next week it can switch. So with that being said, when we look at the standings, you know, going into this weekend, we got Albany at eight and one. We got DC at five and four as number two seed because they obviously they hold the tiebreaker over Philly. Philly's the number three seed at five and four. Baltimore is the fourth at five and four. AC three and six and C bus at one and eight. Harrison, if the playoffs started today between Baltimore and DC, we know their matchups. Baltimore will play Albany. DC will play Philly. Who do you like to win their matchup? Um, so it would be Albany, Washington, and Baltimore, Philly, right? It would be it Albany. It would be Albany. It would be Albany, Baltimore, because Baltimore is the fourth. It, okay, I'm looking at arena fans standing, and Baltimore is the two. Oh, really? Hmm. I look at AFL Digital. They have it as the. All right. So they might, so we might be, somebody yeah, might have <laughs> that mixed up. Well, I mean, those tiebreakers, but, um, all right, so yeah, run me through the matchups one more time. My bad. All right, so we got Albany at 8-1. and one. We have D.C. Mm-hmm. at number two at 5-4. and four. Obviously, Philly at three because Philly owns the top because D.C. owns the tiebreaker of Philly. Philly's third at 5-4 and four, and Baltimore's fourth at 5-4. and four. Who do okay. you think yeah, that would make between sense. Yeah, so between Baltimore and DC and their respective playoff matchups, who do you think would come away with a victory? It's the aggregate, so I mean it's tough. I mean Baltimore has already beaten Albany once this year. They've already proven indeed. that they can upset them. Indeed. So, I mean, that would be an interesting matchup. I would I would go Albany in that one. That's the safe pick. That's what, you know, most people would say. But, I mean, Baltimore has proven it already, so that's definitely something to factor in. Washington and Philly would be an interesting playoff matchup for sure. I mean, both of those games have came down to where the last play things could have changed. Um, Washington scored on the first one with the Josh Reese touchdown, and then the second one, Philly had the ball. It was only down either six or seven, but Dan Rodabar, it didn't, it wasn't completed. It was intercepted. Game over. Washington wins. So those have both been really good games. But I mean, in the aggregate, I think Washington or Philly. I mean, that could be a split series that could come down to points. I mean, that would be an interesting matchup. They've both kind of been, you know, in the same range most of the season. Their records have been pretty similar, um, and honestly, they just kind of match up well. Uh, the Soul have a really good secondary. The Valor have a really good receiving core. It's it's been a fun matchup to watch. So I think I would you know, I would pick Washington probably in that situation, but hey, there's still three weeks left, you know. I mean playoff scenarios is fun, but a lot of stuff could change with seedings and all that in those, you know, three seeds. Philly, Washington and, and Baltimore have all been really in that logjam all year. So mm-hmm. a lot could change before, you know, the actual playoffs start. Oh, for sure. And if you're Philly, you know, you just want to keep on climbing up those standings because, you know, 
if if you can keep on climbing up and hope and possibly come away with the and come away with possibly the number two seed and have home field to start off the playoffs in the aggregate, that's huge. That's huge. Because if you can come away with that W in that first game, then that just sets you up, you know, to say, okay, the pressure's the pressure's not off, but we did we did our job of holding serve at home. Now we just gotta go down to D C for example and come away with the victory. And like you said, Baltimore has played Albany tough. And you can say the same thing about D.C. D.C. has played Albany tough. The question is, can the Philadelphia Soul play Albany tough? And we're going to find out uh, this weekend. Um, and we're going to talk about that game and more coming up very, short, very shortly here on the High Motion Podcast. But before we do that, like I said, this is the High Motion Podcast here on Block Talk Radio. I'm Jovan Alford. Here with none other than Harrison Brown of ArenaFan.com uh, here breaking down not, breaking down the AFL here for you on this uh, summer night here while we're doing the podcast. And before we jump into Week 10, give our picks and give our DraftKings selections, let's talk about the uh, transaction wire here because there's been a lot of movement, especially today and especially uh, this just this week alone. I mean, we look at right now on the transaction wire. We have uh, AC, like you already mentioned, Harrison uh, Kendrick Ings is already on IR, and they went ahead and signed wide receiver Rashad Carter uh, to take that spot. We see the Soul plays Isaiah Stevens on IR and put Danny Southwick on league suspension. They went ahead and signed a rookie offensive lineman in Jake Vogel and also signed a rookie defensive lineman in Malik Forrester, who you who you like, whose game you like. Uh, AC, before I forget, they reactivated LaRoche Jackson off of IR, so that's huge. That's, that's huge as well. Uh, Washington, nothing really big except, I think, Fred, uh, I think Fred Obi, I believe, um, was put on let me say let me before I before I say before I mess up uh Fred Obi was put on IR so that's huge Fred Obi was put on IR um other 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 moves that we had this week Columbus put Jensen Stoshek who we talked about a lot on this podcast one of the trio of rookie wide receivers for for destroyers he was placed on IR um, we saw Patrick O'Brien come back to the soul as well. He was signed, re-signed earlier uh, in the week. And Lenroy Naismith was released from the Baltimore Brigade. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all that happened. Malik Forrester actually was with the Washington Valor before the soul signed him because the Valor released him earlier in the week. So that's pretty much all the – all the moves and stuff that happened uh, this this week in the AFL. Any moves that stood out to you, Harrison, or or had you shocked that you know this that that player X got moved here, or player or why this player got uh, got released or got picked up there? Uh, well, there's always something going on in the transaction wire. There's always some crazy move. Uh, I like the Rashad Carter signing. He's a veteran. He's played a lot of arena football in his day dating back to the Spokane Shock. And then I remember watching him last year when he was with the Richmond Rough Riders. Uh, I'm not exactly sure where he was playing this year, but I know he was still playing. So it's good to see him in the AFL level. A Richmond Rough Riders reference. Amazing. (laughs) 
Yeah, man. Um, LJ coming back, LaRoche Jackson, that is big, like you mentioned. And then um, they, they released Michael Keir, so that might mean that Hippard is more healthy this week. I'm not exactly sure. Um, Leonardo Bates is a veteran player who's also placed on IR. Uh, Malik Forrester, uh, we watched his film right before this came on because the transactions came out a few minutes before. He he looks like a good player. He has a high motor. Um, so we're excited to see him play with Isaiah Stevens going on IR. He had been the, the sole starting nose guard, and he was showing a lot of promise. Uh, I like the way he was Agreed. developing. I, I know the team liked the way he was developing. Um, so it's unfortunate to see him going IR. But, I mean, with that being said, it could be an opportunity for Forrester to kind of have a similar role to what Stevens had a few weeks ago when Stevens came in in sort of the middle of the week, you know, for the practice week and then started that same week when he first got there. It might be like that for Malik Forrester this week. Jake Vogel looks like a good offensive lineman, local guy from Wagner. Um, I think he'll be, you know, a, a good solid depth guy. And then really important for camp next year, you want to have bodies in camp. You want to have good offensive linemen in camp. You can never have a good enough good offensive lineman, so that's definitely a positive. Um, brought back Patrick O'Brien. Uh, not sure what happened there, but I, I know they like him a lot. That We had seen Danny Southwick get in some games, get some opportunities, so that was cool. But Patrick O'Brien's a guy they like a lot. Um, Ramonda Loach is a guy we've talked about a lot. Albany signed him. Um, we've brought him up a lot with his versatility to play receiver or defensive line. So it was cool to see him go back to Albany, hoping that sticks. Nick Scyther going on IR for Columbus. That's a really big deal. He's a perennial all-arena guy now. I think he's went the last two years. Um, he had to step up and play fullback last weekend against the Soul and defensive line as well. Um, so unfortunate to see him go on IR. But um, other than that, man, yeah, uh, transaction wire is always moving, always fluid. Make sure to follow um, John Stark. He does all the transaction stuff for Arena Fan. He's usually like mm-hmm. the first one to post it on Twitter. So. That's the that's the uh, transaction plug. Oh yeah, you know, like you said, shout John Stark. You know, he does a great job of getting uh, not only the transactions out, but also the injury reports out. Uh, every day does a good job of that, and he takes good photo, and he takes great photographs too. By the way, nice, uh, nice job with the photography skills. I wish I had his photography skills. Probably would have helped me okay. out, and probably would have helped me out if I had those skills. But uh, yeah. A lot of, like I said, a lot of interesting transactions. We'll see how it plays out um, this, this week. We'll see if Malik Forrester, you know, gets some gets some run with the soul, especially with Isaiah Stevens um, going on IR, which is bad because it just seems like it's just like another soul defensive lineman going on IR. Jake Metz is already on IR, so to see Stevens going on IR, that's a blow. But hey, next man up, you know, for the soul, and they just got to keep on bringing that pressure because that's what's going to. That's what they need if they're going to try to upset the Empire uh, on Saturday. And you know what? Let's talk about it. Week 10 in the AFL, we're inching closer and closer to the playoffs, and we're inching closer and closer, uh, and we're inching closer and closer to expansion. Uh, you know what? Let's talk about that. I just since I just mentioned it, we might as well talk about it. <laughs> let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about it. Let's talk about expansion. I literally when I was just saying the words, and I was like. The, 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 the expansion. Oh yeah, there was some news with expansion uh, this week. Harrison, tell everybody what kind of happened with the AFL and transact in a uh, expansion of uh, this this past week. Uh yeah. Well, we had a, a coffee woge drop. Those happen a lot. Cause my man, coffee be killing it with the uh, with the real time news. But 
Um, he posted that uh, the Arena Bowl would be when they would announce their two teams on August 11th. And then I, I think the commissioner tweeted it too. I'm not sure who tweeted it first, but I give the credit to Coffee because that's my guy. But um, yeah, and then on the, the Arena Fan podcast as well, the commissioner, you know, also stated that that's around when they wanted to get it done was the Arena Bowl. That's when they were aiming for. Uh, he didn't say any cities. Um, the guys were trying to get into city cities, but he didn't say where they were going. Um, but you know, for for me. With, with really no sources or anything like that, the, the two cities that just kind of make the most sense geographically for me, if I was commissioner of the Arena Football League, which I'm not, but if I was, I would say Cleveland, <laughs> Ohio, and then, you know, somewhere in North Carolina, you can kind of get creative with that, whichever arena is better suited for it. But, I mean, Raleigh, Charlotte, um, Greensboro has a Durham. big arena. Durham. Yeah, you know, I mean, there there's, there's a bunch of different places you can go. And then you could honestly, I mean, if they were down, the college basketball arenas, if you could, I don't think Cameron could fit it, but I think UNC could fit it, the Dean Smith Center. If they were down, that would be cool too, to see arena football in there. And they don't have anything going on in the spring and summer. And there's a, a lot of seats in those venues. But, yeah, that's where I would go just, just geographically because Cleveland for Columbus, I mean, it just makes sense. Um, and, and it's 2020, so. I mean, this was the year they were supposed to come back anyway. It would be cool to see them come back. Um, and then North Carolina is just kind of – it's just kind of the perfect bridge to if you want to go to Florida later on. It, it's kind of mm-hmm. right between Florida and Washington, right. D.C. It's about halfway, you know, to each. Um, so I just think those are two places that would really work for it. But, I mean, hey, they can get creative with it. Uh, our, our guy, Anthony Carter – Shout out AC uh, tweeted this week uh, a job posting for a, uh, a potential COO position in the the Northeast. So that sparked a lot of rumors, uh, a lot of question marks. The commissioner on the podcast said that it could be for the Albany Empire, you know, but um, that could be him covering his tracks. Who knows? You know, like who knows? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean. <laughs> When it comes to arena football expansion, trust no one. <laughs> Literally. Nah, kidding, but, uh, nah, who knows? <laughs> like, I mean, Hartford's up there. Providence is up there. I don't think Boston would be a, a really good decision. I love Boston. It's an awesome city. But I don't think it would really work for arena football. I just think there's too much going on. I don't think they really need it. But um, Hartford would be cool. Hartford is farther down kind of between New York City and, like, Massachusetts area. Um, there's not really any pro things going on there. Uh, Providence, I don't know if it will work there as well, but that's another city where there's not much professional sports going on. So, um, honestly, man, it's just good to see them expanding. Uh, it's just good to see more teams coming in. It'll just help with everything. It'll help with the DraftKings. It'll resolve a lot of the problems of kind of having to pick out, you know, the gem of the week. Um, it, it'll be easier to just see, okay, there's way more players to pick from. There's two more teams with a whole three receivers, you know, a whole group. So that'll right. help a lot. And, I mean, it'll just help for the overall flow of the schedule and just the general thoughts mm-hmm. of the league. You know, I mean, people will be like, oh, there's eight teams. That's cool. The CFL has ran all eight teams for a long time. So it's just kind of, you know, you want to be – near the competition. You don't want to be far behind. Four teams a few years ago was really rough. Six teams this year has been better, but, I mean, it's still not perfect. You want to keep growing. So, mm-hmm. I mean, hey, I'm just excited to see them get more teams. Um, but my two picks, Cleveland and Carolina. 
you know, those are just my two where I would go. Oh, yeah. Like you said, you can't go wrong with either of those markets because we've seen in the past that both markets have been suitable for uh, for arena slash indoor football. Like you said, Cleveland with the Gladiators, it was it, they they got fans and it was they had a successful that successful team there from when they were running. And then in Carolina, we see the Carolina Cobras down there in the NAL. You know, they've been putting on a show uh, down there as well, which was the former team of Fabian Guerra. They've been, you know, putting on putting on a show, like I said, down there. So it'll be interesting to see what happens and what takes place, like you said, for the commissioner to say that it was Albany. I'm not too sure about that because if you're on Teamwork Online, wouldn't you put the Albany Empire saying that the Albany Empire are looking for a COO? Just saying, just saying, just reading between the tea leaves there that they would possibly do that instead of saying just Northeast team. Just just throwing it out there, you know. Don't you don't gotta believe me. Just throwing it out there. But like you said, just having an overall eight team league, not only like I said, would it help for DraftKings, it will also help for just rosters because we see so many good players, Harrison, that even before the season that we talked about. I mean, we talked about, you know, Greg McGee who, you know, was work who, you know, got cut by Columbus and, you know, was trying is trying out in the XFL or a guy like Drew Powell who was cut by AC and that's, you know, killing it right now in the IFL with Arizona. Could you imagine just those two guys being in this league with their talent, you know, manning the next two expansion teams? Talk about just just talk about talent at that. Yeah, I mean you bringing up Greg McGee, I'm still disappointed that he didn't get a full opportunity this year. Uh, I'm a huge fan of his just from watching him from afar last year. Uh, lefty quarterback, that's, you know, right on my alley, you know what I'm saying? But um, So, yeah, I was really excited to see him get a full-time opportunity this year in Columbus. That's what it looked like for a while, um, but it just didn't work out, I guess. And, and Grant Russell has done a pretty nice job. I mean, everyone's been really excited about the potential and the talent that he's shown throughout this year. And I definitely think he has a lot of talent, a lot of good arm talent, um, the ability to – he's shown more and more that he has the ability to make the reads in this league. So um, he's shown a lot of positive things. But, yeah, it would have been really cool to see Craig McGee and Drew Powell as, as two expansion teams starting quarterbacks. Hey, that would be cool to see next year in 2020. I guess that's kind of what we're hoping for. But um, – I mean, yeah, there is. There's a lot of talented guys um, in the IFL, in the NAL, and that's why we see these teams picking guys up and, you know, guys like Desmond Epps breaking out in this league. Malachi Jones was in the NAL and the AAL. You know, he was in the AAL for a week in 2018 and then came into the AFL and won receiver of the year and rookie of the year. So, I mean, there's some good football players, some Division One players, some, you know, high-quality Division Two, even Division Three players in these lower leagues and with more expansion teams with more roster spots they'll be able to play in the AFL and and get more money and get the severance package at the end of the year and and get some coverage and benefits and meal plans and stuff like that and because I mean some of these indoor leagues man it's a struggle you're making like 250 bucks a game like (laughs) someone's like couch it's it's a real struggle on some of these teams so the more AFL teams there are the more job opportunities there are, the more football players get their chance, get to play on ESPN, get to wear the cool jerseys in the NBA arenas with the cool owners and all that, you know. Um, yeah, it's a really good thing. So more more expansion, the merrier. 
We all agree. More expansion, the mayor. We can't wait to hear when we can't wait till the arena bowl because that's when we will hear who will be joining the league. I think that should be very exciting to see who they uh, bring aboard. But let's talk about week 10 DraftKings. Let's get it on. Week 10, three games. We got one starting on Friday night here at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. Remember, all games can be seen on ESPN3. We have Columbus versus Baltimore. The last time these two teams played, we know what happened. Columbus came away with a 54-50 to victory for their first win of the season. It was a shootout. Grant Russell played a, played a hell of a game, but it did not matter. And then we saw just a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, Baltimore got the revenge over uh, Columbus. Uh, again, this time it was Joe Hill scoring his 100th you know, career TD. And it was also Demos. Uh, first game, first game uh, playing with the Destroyers. So with a lot of things that has happened in these first two matchups. With that being said, Harrison, who do you have winning the rubber match, Columbus or the Brigade? It's in Baltimore, by the way. Yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go Baltimore in this one. Um, I, I think Columbus is kind of at a really tough point. This is kind of you know you're eliminated from the playoffs. You're one and eight. Um, I think they're going to come out and, and, you know, show a good show. I think they're going to fight hard. But I just think with this being playoff implications still on the line for Baltimore, um, I think Baltimore is going to come out with the victory. Listen, you know, like I kind of mentioned, I, I Columbus has a good roster. They have a, a good, solid group. But in this league of uh, veteran-filled teams with guys like Joe Hills and now Shane Boyd has really had a really good year and the defense that they have with Justin Lawrence, and, you know, Joe Powell, Josh Victorian. I mean, they have a really good group. Omar Smith's a really good coach. And they just match up. They just match up well against Columbus. Um, they got them earlier in the year already, like you mentioned. And this game, unfortunately for Columbus, you know, it, as much as everyone will say, hey, we're, we're still fighting hard, that's absolutely understandable, you know. Football team, camaraderie, yada, yada, yada. I mean, there's nothing – really at stake for Columbus in this game. Whether they win or lose, it has no effect. It looks like they're going to be in that last seed with the worst record. Man, Baltimore still has a lot to fight for, and it's on Baltimore's home turf. Um, I'm definitely going brigade in this one. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I'm going I'm going brigade as, as well. Like you said, there's still a lot to be played for for B more. You know, they don't want to, you know, they don't want to fall into that trap game and which they did against, you know, which they did against Baltimore the first time they played. They got the huge win over Albany, and then they fell into the trap game the the following week and lost to Columbus. I don't see that happening this week. They don't want to lose two games in a row. I expect another good game from Shane Boyd and company, and if they can turn over uh, Grant Russell a few times, a couple of times in this game to get pressure with the like of Justin uh, Lawrence and Daryl Cato Bishop, then it could be a long game. But I think it will be close, but I think the Brigade, like you said, come out on top as well. Next up on the list, we got at Saturday at 3.30, an afternoon start out at the Wells Fargo Center. I think it's going to be like 95 degrees on Saturday in Philadelphia. It's going to be a scorcher. And we have, <laughs> luckily, y'all will be inside watching, hopefully, the Albany take on the soul. Albany versus Philly, last time these two teams played, was in Philadelphia, the last time these two teams played. Uh, but 
even despite a huge game from Lonnie Outlaw, wasn't enough as Tommy Grady and company got the job done. D, I think DJ uh, Stevens had a, had a, had a, had a great game in this one. Who do you think win this? Who do you think wins this game, Harrison, and why? I mean, this should be a good one. Uh, the first time these two teams matched up, it was a really fun game. There's a lot of scoring, um, which is you know obviously fun in the arena football game, but for this one, uh, I guess I'm sleeping on Albany a little bit. This is going to be the second week in a row, but I'm picking against Albany. I'm going to pick the hometown Philadelphia Soul. Uh, still riding Uh-oh. that Soul bandwagon, everyone. But, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, the Soul have a lot to play for in this game. There's a lot at stake. They're trying to clinch their playoff first. They don't want to give mm-hmm. Atlantic City even a slimmer of hope in that matchup next weekend where they play each other, Philly and AC, um, in Atlantic City which could be, you know, a huge game for playoff implications because then the two teams have a bye, and then it's week 13. It's the final week of the season. So I think Philly is going to come out swinging in this game. I, th- I don't think they're going to hold anything back. I think this is still one of those must-win type mentalities for them. I, I think they have to come in with that mentality. Um, you don't want to give Atlantic City even, you know, the chance. You don't want to give it even the off chance that they can – go in and then win against you, and then week 13, you don't want to leave it up when you have to go to Albany to play the Empire. So uh, I think the Soul are going to come out swinging in this one. Albany is beatable. Uh, no disrespect to them. They have a great roster. They're definitely the arena bowl mm-hmm. favorites, all of that. But these last few weeks, man, Washington had them, you know, on the ropes. Washington should have won that game. And then this weekend, Atlantic City, was mm-hmm. they only lost to them by two points with a quarterback who was in his first start of the season. So, I mean, Albany, you know, listen, they're a really, really good team, but it's not unthinkable. I mean, Baltimore's already beaten them once this year, and they've played some really, really tough games recently. Having to go to Philly as well in a in a really big situation for Philly, I think the Soul are going to come out on top of this one. I like it. I like that energy. I like that upset energy. I like it. And you know what? I'm going to ride with you on this one, Harrison. I'm going with you as well. I'm going to take the soul as well. Like you said, I think the soul have a lot to play for. I think they are rounding into shape. I think they figure things out on offense, you know, not always taking the big shot, but just taking what the defense is giving you. If that's the little short intermediate, you know, routes and passes, then take it. You know, take that five or ten, five or ten yards because guess what? Even if you, you if you get into that goal line situation, you got a weapon in Adrian Ferns that can get you a touchdown. You know, if 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 need be, and you got a guy in Lonnie Outball, you know who can get you that, who can get you a red zone touchdown as well. So with that being said, I like the soul. I, I'm going to take the soul in this one. I think it's going to come down again to the fourth quarter, probably the last four minutes of the game. Um, like I told you, I think if the soul can turn over Tommy Grady at least twice in this game, and just get some pressure on him, you don't got to sack him, but if you can get some quarterback hits on him, and you can force him into some mistakes then I think the soul will come away with the victory, and they have to. They have to stop Quentin Sims. That's going to be the key. Quentin Sims cannot go off for five touchdowns in this game. If he goes off for five touchdowns, they lose. If you hold them to two and hold Malachi Jones to two, then you might got a chance. But that being said, I'm still riding with the soul. I'm riding with the soul for this week. And last but not least, at 7 o'clock, peace, at 7 o'clock, at 7 o'clock Eastern time on Saturday as well, uh, last we have the 
we have the ACDC matchup. We have the Atlantic City Blackjacks taking on the Washington DC Valor. Um, we don't know what's we don't know what's the situation with quarterback right now for AC. You know, like Harrison uh, already alluded to, uh, their backup quarterback that they had, Michael Keir, he was placed on reassignment. So does that mean Randy Hipper is coming back? We'll see. Also, no Kendrick Ings, who will step up there. The Valor, they need this win. They cannot afford to they cannot you know they 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 want they they want to keep they want to start piecing some wins together they don't want to keep going one loss one loss one loss one loss one loss they gotta start to put some consistency together so that being said harrison who do you have in this game uh this should be an interesting one i'm actually going to pick atlantic city in this one um even if the quarterback is warren smith randy hibbert or warren smith um, I'm going with the Blackjacks in this one. They need this win. It's it's do or die time. Like, if they lose this game, you know, like I've said before, not a mathematician. I think they're out no matter what if they lose this game. Um, and like I, like we kind of mentioned when we did the the recap of last week, really like the way Warren Smith played. I felt like he really commanded their offense. He was in control of that offense the entire game. Um, it didn't mm-hmm. seem like the situation was too much for him at all. And that's a testament to him being a veteran, him having played in a, a bunch of different arena football situations throughout his career. And, I mean, he played very well against Albany. Washington is his former team. Uh, there's just going to be a little bit of added, not even necessarily, you know, motivation, but just a little bit of added extra to going back to where he played last year, where he kind of, you know, had one of his more successful arena football league seasons, won the arena bowl with them and all that. Uh, I know that's a memory he holds right. dear. Um, right. I, I think all that momentum and just kind of them needing the win. It's now or never for them. If they don't win this game, the the game against the Soul next weekend kind of almost becomes irrelevant. So they're in a position where they need to win this game. I think they're going to come out guns a blazing. Like we talked about, Antoine Grant um, had a really big game last week. And with Kendrick Ings taking the injury in the Albany game that he placed on IR, his role might be increased even more this week. So he's going to need to have a big game against that Valor team. And uh, the Valor have a really high-potent offense. I think they're going to be able to score a lot in the game. So Atlantic City is going to need to, once again, go touchdown for touchdown. But they proved that they can do that last weekend against Albany. So I'm riding right. with the Black Jacks. I think, I think that, you know, it's a potential that that game against the Soul could have meaning. Um, I think they're going to do everything in their power to make sure that, you know, they win, they hold up their end of the bargain, no matter what happens at 3.30, because the Soul could win against Albany at 3.30 and clinch, and by 7.30 that game could be kind of pointless. But I think I think Atlantic City is going to go out there and hold their own. Oh, yeah, I think Atlantic City, I agree with you. I think Atlantic City is going to do their job. The last time the two teams played, it was a close one. Washington won 41-34. The key for the Blackjacks, they cannot get down you know, going to the half 20, 20 to 7, that's not going to cut it. You cannot do that. Um, cannot do that this time, this time around. I want to go AC with you here, just based on everything you said, and this being a must-win game for them, because if they can win, it can kind of keep the keep the discussion alive, because if they win, they're 4-6, and six, and that now drops Washington to 5-5. Five and five. Could you imagine? At five and five, <laughs> and them at four and six, it, it creates some intrigue going on. This is what happens when you have a long jam with three teams. But I think Washington will get the job done. I think you know 
I, I think I think that they will try to, you know, get some consistency. They'll try to piece together a one streak, you know, and try to, you know, try to ride this out so they can, you know, clinch a playoff spot. But I'm not really confident in the pick because I just don't know more so if the Washington secondary can make can, you know, make plays outside of Mario Norman. I, I, I'm just not sure. So with low confidence. I'm taking the Washington Baylor this week. And that's, you know, shocking for me to say because I've been a big proponent of them this season. Um, but that's yeah. pretty much all we – go ahead, Harrison. You go ahead. No, nah, listen, I mean, the Valley have a really, really high-potent offense. They're going to score points right. in this game. So, I mean, I hear your perspective just definitely on that one. Yeah, I mean, I, and another big thing from that is Obi had been playing the middle, and now he's on right. IR. So I'm not exactly. sure who they're going to be playing in the middle of this weekend. Um, that could be a huge thing. But I, I definitely – I hear you on that. They're going to score points in this game. I mean, Arbel has been rolling all season. He had a really good game against the Brigade a week ago last week on Thursday. Um, but, I, you know, for me in this one, I just think Atlantic City is going to come out. They're on a three-game losing streak right now. They haven't been great on the road this year. They're 0-5 on the road. So, I mean, that's another huge proponent to it that's in the Valor's favor. But I just think in a must-win situation, uh, they're going to come out guns a-blazing. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be high scoring. I don't think it's going to be 63-61, but I think it'll be in that, you know, 50 range, you know, maybe 54 to 52, you know, 50, 56 to 49. It's going to be up there. It's going to be very high scoring. So, hey, we'll definitely see. Um, we'll definitely see what happens there. We only have a few more minutes left here on the pod, so we got to do DraftKings selections uh, real fast. Harrison, who do you think people should pick up in DraftKings uh, this week? All right, so, yeah, I haven't been playing DraftKings because I'm too young and all that, but I've been hearing that it's kind of like you need to pick the gem of the week. You need to pick the dime a dozen guy to kind of have yeah. success. So I'm going to base yeah, my God, strategy towards guy. that. My diamond dozen guy for the week is Rashad Still, Atlantic City Blackjack. Ooh, I like that. Kendrick Ings went down on IR. Antoine Grant has just probably had his price like doubled or tripled because he had a huge game. Rashad Still hasn't exactly had the breakout season yet, but, I mean, he's been a valued part of their offense. Um, most games he gets at least some routes. He gets at least some runs. Um, so mm-hmm. with Ings going down, he could be in line for some more time. I know Lamarck Brown's been dealing with some hamstring injuries here and there throughout the year, but it, I think he's in 100% or at least close to it, as close as you can be in, what, week 10, week 11. So, um, yeah, but I think Rashad still is a really good pick for that. And then on the flip side of that, it, it could be Rashad Carter, depending on who gets the reps. But Rashad still has been there longer. He's been there all season. He knows the playbook. So my DraftKings pick of the week is Rashad still. You're going still. I'm going with B.J. Bunn. It's B.J. Bunn season. The Bunn Hive is here. I'm I'm trademarking that right now. The Bunn Hive is here. <laughs> he had a he had he had a, he had a great game last week against Varma Sony. You know, and pretty much whoever was in that high motion position was going against Sony, and Bunn had a had a solid game. He's been putting it together. So that's my guy uh, this week. That's pretty much it. We got to wrap this up fast. Pretty that's that that's it. Everybody, thanks again for checking out this episode and also checking out our interview with Donovan Morgan. Uh, make sure you tell you know your friends and family about us. Like, I mean, subscribe, uh, give us a rating, you know, leave us a review. We really appreciate it. Follow me on Twitter at Joe Ten. Follow Harrison on Twitter at Harry Brown Russo. 
Thanks again, everybody, and we'll talk to you guys uh, next week, same time, same place, here on Blog Talk Radio. Enjoy the football this weekend on ESPN3.